John 13. Starting in verse 1, I'm going to read out of the NLT. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that the hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message? Now that you know these things, God will, God will bless you for doing them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Do you want this on here? Here, hold it. I'll hold it. See if I have enough hands here. Oh, you're right about the microphone, too, apparently. Uh, The lights, my goodness. Okay. If I thought my eyes were getting old before I started this, for sure, we'll be noticing that by the end. Uh, So it was interesting uh, reading and uh, reciting together the Apostles' Creed tonight. And I was kind of paying attention. This wasn't done intentionally, but... There was a missing slide in there, and it got real quiet. You'd think after all these weeks, you'd be able to carry on uninhibited without, you know, without the slide up there. Uh, but we've, we've come to the part where we have been, we began by talking about the Holy Spirit. And from there, 
we moved on to talking about last week the Holy Catholic Church. And tonight we talk about the communion of the saints. Just uh, listen with me to those phrases. Holy Spirit. Holy Catholic Church and the communion of the saints. Now, if you were a, if you were a speaker of Hebrew or Greek or Latin, anybody, anybody ever take those languages, study them, look at them? The, the word for saints is the same word in those languages as the word for holy. So what we've got is a rhythm going here that says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I believe in the communion of the Holy Ones. Now, take a minute and reflect back over your week. Uh, and I'm, I'm asking you to do this because I have done this in preparation for tonight. Reflect back over your week. And uh, I was going to say raise your hand, but just say within your own self. Uh, give yourself a holiness rating for this week on a 1 to 10. 10, I, I'm absolutely holy, and 1, eh. I didn't do so well, all right? In your own mind, think back over just this one week, not even a lifetime, and give yourself a one to 10 holiness rating. Where are you at this week? What I am going to put in front of us tonight from the Gospel of John, and from the truth that God gives us, I would suggest that each and every one of you who belongs to Jesus is a 10. Because holiness does not have to do with my figuring out how to live in some kind of moral perfection. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cut me off. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. Holiness has to do with who I belong to. And let's try to see this as we look through and, and I, I want you always, and I know that the other elders, as we stand up here and share from week to week, you know, I want you to think about these things based on what the scriptures say, not whether you trust my opinion or Nikolai's opinion or John's opinion or who's the other, Brent's opinion. I knew he wasn't here tonight. That's why I, uh, he can watch it on the recording later on. Okay. 
Let's see what the passage teaches us. Communion has to do, first and foremost, with sharing. Okay? And we want to be the kind of people, we want to be known as a community, a refuge, where people can come and can be shared with and can share with others. And the starting place for that, as with everything that we hold dear, is with Jesus. You see, the, last week's message, the Holy Catholic Church, the focus was on community. And you might re read this phrase, I believe in the communion of the saints, and you might think, okay, that's just a repeat of last week. But if I were to differentiate, I would, I would say that last week the focus was upon the life together, what all of us do sort of en masse together in gathering together and worshiping the one true God, whereas the communion of the saints different than the focus on com community, is specifically a focus on individuals who belong to Jesus who are in reciprocal relationships. Okay? Last week's message had to do with us. Tonight's message has to do with the me and you aspects. You in relationship to another you within this refuge family representative of the family of Jesus. Now think, think about the story that, that John read for us. And I hope as he was reading, I've been in, uh, in church for a long time, uh, been uh, thinking about that, in fact, how long have I been in church? And if I'm 60 years old, I am 60 years old, so since I'm 60 years old, I've been in church for 60 years because my parents started taking me from whenever I was released from the hospital and brought home. And it can happen to us that we hear the scripture read, and especially maybe if it's a passage we've read before, and it's like, ah, mm -hmm. scripture reading, stand up, stand at attention, John's going to read, I hope you heard the story. Because the depth of it as always, is in the story. Story is where we meet people. Story, events of life, sharing that back and forth is where we get to know people. And the Gospels are the place where we get to know Jesus by listening to the story of his interactions with the people around him. And so here is Jesus. 
Jesus and the 12 disciples, they've gone, if you were to read the, the previous sections and even read it in the other Gospels, they've gone into this upper chamber, this upper room. Dinner is being set out in front of them. Uh, you got to picture people sitting not in a, you know, sort of a formal dining room, but at a low table, balanced down on the floor on cushions, maybe even leaning over, getting relaxed. The 12 disciples and Jesus. And in order for there to be communion, in order for there to be sharing, it begins with, in this story, as it's told to us, it begins with, communion begins with Jesus knowing who he is. And Jesus knowing that there's a much bigger story going on behind the scenes. So who is Jesus, according to this passage? What's spelled out here? Is he just because we're in a big, nice, you know, formal auditorium with pews? I'm not changing my style here. I hope there's some feedback. Right? Who is Jesus identified as here? Teacher. Okay? Now, what... what what could you kind of pull out of your basic knowledge of how things work? What, what would it have been like for it to be a teacher in the ancient world? How many teachers among us? Okay, a few. I've been there. All right. What would it have been like to be a teacher in the ancient world? How would your students treat you? Respect, revering, even fearing, certainly humbling themselves in front of that. Now, teachers, how much of that really happens? Your students respect you, they bow down to you, they call you ma'am or sir, at least to your face. Jesus is teacher. How else is Jesus described here? He came from God, and he's going back to God. Okay. Origin in God, starting place in God, God himself going back to God. That's about to happen. Jesus knows that's about to happen. One other aspect that Jesus is described here. Teacher and Lord. Okay. Teacher and Lord, Master, the one who holds all the power, the one who holds the keys to everything, the one who looks after their well-being. This is Jesus, and it starts with Jesus knowing himself. This is where communion grows out of. Notice, please, that we haven't said anything yet about what you or I should do. Our focus is on Jesus right now. If there is to be communion, 
sharing of the holy ones, we have to get our eyes upon Jesus. Otherwise, there's no hope for it. And so Jesus, he knows himself, and he knows there's a bigger story going on. Verse 1 told us it was just before the Passover meal, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Jesus was aware of the bigger picture of what God had going on. But look at this. Jesus was also aware the evening meal was in progress, or the evening meal, uh, probably what we're looking at here, the evening meal was being served, laid out, prepared. And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God, that he was returning from God. Jesus knew. Note what he knew, though. There's one of the men at the dinner who is not a nice man. Okay. What's the story with Judas? Yeah, Judas, Judas sold Jesus for some silver coins about the price of buying and selling slaves. That's how low, how heinous Judas' crime was. Jesus is going to turn him, I, I'm sorry, Judas is going to turn Jesus, too many J names here. Uh, Judas is going to turn over Jesus. Right. Where did he get these coins? Where, where was he going to get the money? Who had he plotted with? Religious leaders. Friends of Jesus, not friends of Jesus. Not friends. What had, in fact, they'd been plotting for a long time. How they're going to put Jesus to death. Judas comes along and says, I got a plan. How did, Jesus, how did Judas turn Jesus over? Maybe by the end of the evening, I'll get Jesus and Judas straight. But hopefully you're holding it straight in your mind while I'm struggling with it. Betrayed him. Gave the signal with a kiss of greeting. Uh, Tom, we were standing out there in the lobby. I gave you a big hug. What if that was the signal for somebody to come take you away, put you to death, pretending to be your friend, meanwhile making a profit by selling you out? once and for all, permanently. And Judas was doing all of this because he was disgruntled with Jesus' politics. I'm just going to simplify it that way. There's much more to it. 
Judas was upset that Jesus wasn't doing it the way Judas had in mind. Judas sold him out. And this man is at the table. So it begins with us knowing Jesus, and Jesus knew himself, the bigger story that was going on. He knew, I'm back in verse 3, that the Father had put all things under his feet, that he had come from God, was returning to God. And don't miss the key word in verse 4. Little word, two letters, so. It was because Jesus knew who he was and Jesus knew that God was giving a bigger story. Because he knew that, he got up and did what? That put you to sleep already. Did, did you know there's a clock in this building? So this, you know, endless sermonizing that sometimes has happened here Maybe it won't happen anymore, or maybe we'll just ignore the clock. So you might want to respond or take your chances on that clock back there. Okay. Jesus knew who he was. He knew he came from God. He knew he was going back to God. He knew Judas was here. He knew the devil had already prompted Judas to sell him out, that he was going to sell him out with a kiss of friendship. Jesus knew this, and so he got up and did what? Wash their feet. Wash their feet. You see, when we talk about sharing, and we're thinking of the refuge family and what, how we want to characterize the work of Jesus in this community, We've got to begin to think that it's okay and it's even good to have people among us who are not, who don't fit the pattern of what we expect as friends of Jesus. Jesus got up to wash the disciples' feet. That was the job of the lowest servant in the caste tier structure of servant head, servant head, servanthood. And Jesus himself, knowing exactly who he was, knowing what God was up to, got up from the table to stoop down and wash his disciples' feet. I'd like to suggest that this goes much, much deeper than the actions. I hope that we continue sharing meal trains with each other when people are in need. I hope we continue to give hugs as long as it's safe in the back of the room. I hope we continue to share with each other. I hope we continue to show up at each other's houses when there are projects to be done and work to be done 
But I hope more than that, we go deeply into where Jesus went when it came to sharing. And the reason I can hope that and the reason that I can feel actually confident about that is not because, sorry, not because I look at you and say, oh, your people have great potential. Okay? Look, I'm a counselor. I'm kind of on to what all of us are like. I'm not hopeful about this because of your potential. I'm hopeful about this because Jesus' DNA is embedded in you. As the Apostle Paul puts it, God made Jesus, the one who didn't know any sin, to be sin for us, right? My sin went on to Jesus. This is why we sing about the cross. My sin, you took my sin. My sin went on to Jesus. But Paul doesn't stop there. He adds another element that's just as important. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God in Jesus. Jesus got all your sin, and you got all his rightness. How's that for an exchange? How's that for sharing? How's that for reciprocity and depth? Now, that's Paul. Paul, Paul you know, is heady. Paul's writing as a scholar, and Jesus lives it out in a much more simple fashion because in Jesus' humility, Jesus accepted, even though he knew he accepted Judas at his table. From all we can read here, it says Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Uh, Now, Thinking about it, can you picture Jesus going, uh, not you, Judas. Not till you get it straightened up. Not till you get your morals together. Not till you get the right aspirations politically for the kingdom of God. Not until then, not until then will I wash your feet. Jesus washed all their feet. But then Peter. Uh, you got to like Peter. Okay, Peter is so often the foil for what Jesus is doing in these stories. (laughs) Jesus comes up to Peter, okay? Katie, you be Peter, okay? Come up. I'm not going to get in your personal space here, okay? Uh, And and I'm going to wash your feet. And what do you say? Okay. Yeah, if only. I mean, Peter didn't even go that far. Peter's probably thinking, you know, Matthew probably should do it. Uh, who's the lowest on the tier structure here? It, it, right? But, but it, you're right because he's like, no way you're not washing my feet. You're not going to wash my feet. That's too low for you. You're a teacher. You're Lord. And Jesus says, Peter, if I don't wash you, you have nothing to do with me. 
And so Peter says, okay, Lord, well, if that's the case, forget about the feet. Wash my hands, wash my head, and wash everything in between. Take care of it all. And here's where the story teaches us the same thing that the Apostle Paul teaches us in academic form. God made Jesus to be sin for us. He took our sin so that we could be the rightness of God in him. And Jesus says to Peter, if you've already had a bath, I don't need to wash you again. I just need to clean up your feet. Now, the stories of the Gospels are more than just stories. They contain deep and rich realities. If you belong to Jesus, you're already clean. Working harder is not going to do it for you. Now, now don't get me wrong. I believe if you belong to Jesus, you're going to want to do those good things. They're going to show up. But the answer isn't found there. But as you, you know, picture these people, these disciples get up in the morning, where are we going today, Jesus? You know, well, we got a 22-mile walk ahead of us here. I'm going to be talking to you along the way. I'll probably heal some people, throw out some lunch out of fish and bread. You strap on your sandals you know, no Velcro, you got to tie these leather thongs on, set it all up, and you walk along these roads, not paved, <laughs> the, not even gravel, dusty roads. Bams your feet. Get dirty. Get dusty. I mean, we walk through life and we pick up a lot of dust. And Jesus says to us, come to me day after day and let me clean up those feet for you. I don't need to give you a bath again. You've already been bathed. You're already clean. You already belong to me. You already have all of my rightness. But let me wash the dust off your feet. Now, I have wavered all week as to whether I was going to share this, but I think I am, if you'll bear with me. And if you have questions about this part of the message, don't email them to John. <laughs> Come and talk to me because this is something I want to be clear about, and I don't want to give the wrong impression, okay? But remember, these, these stories were written 2,000 years ago. So we've got a huge distance of time. These stories were written in the ancient world, where there were Jews and Greeks and Romans and others all mingling together and interacting each with their own culture. So we're removed by 2,000 years of time. We're removed by an immeasurable distance culturally, a culture we can hardly even imagine back then. And we could miss things like this. 
Okay, it, the story repeats itself in saying Jesus washed their feet. Okay. Now, you have to know in listening to the story that for Jewish people of that ancient time, feet was a euphemism to the parts of the body that were covered below the waist. Okay. I am not, please hear me, and if you don't get it, please come ask me. John's not going to answer these emails. He's taking no responsibility for me here. Okay, I'm not suggesting that Jesus washed their privates, but I'm saying in the storytelling, it is presented to us that our Jesus would go as far in his sharing as washing, or we might say, changing their diapers. As my mom aged and came near her death, and her body failed her, the woman who once changed our diapers as babies, me and my sisters, we became responsible for changing her diapers. Now, just so my wife doesn't have to correct me from out there, I have a very well-developed gag reflex, okay? So, uh, in all honesty, I personally only once changed her diapers. I would assist with things I was able to do without filling the trash can in the room like helping to turn her over. Do you think we resented that? Do you think we said, oh, you know, I wish mom would just be gone or, or let's, uh, we got to find another way or just let her lay there in her filth? Because of love, because of sharing, we were willing to go that far. Jesus was willing to go that far. And Jesus says to us, I believe, through this story, and in light of the communion of the saints, the sharing of we who are holy with one another and with Jesus. I'd like you to do the same. How's that for a sermon application? Go out and change a diaper this week. Eh? <clears throat> Be alert. Be finding out. Interact eye-to-eye, person-to-person. Know who Jesus is. Know what the bigger story is. Place yourself within that story. Gather together as the Holy Catholic Church. Interact in communion, sharing of the Holy Ones.
in a little bit we will we'll sing and we'll participate in the Lord's Supper also rightly commonly known as Holy Communion. There's that word again. Belongs to God. This meal belongs to Jesus. And maybe you're Judas about to sit down at Jesus' table and Jesus knows you're here. Maybe you're Peter. Hey, nah, not me. Let Matthew do it. Jesus knows you're here. Maybe there's something that's troubling you. A conflict that you can't resolve. Jesus knows you're here. Maybe there's someone that it's awfully, awfully difficult to forgive and you can't get there yet. Jesus knows you're he says, come to my table. And we focus appropriately on the bread and the wine. And we say, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood given for you. But don't forget what happened at that meal. While it was being laid out, Jesus wrapped himself in a towel and got down and dirty in sharing with his disciples communing with his disciples. May we experience that and live with that, not because of our aspirations and potential, but because that rightness is already in you. Oh, Father, it's too much for us to comprehend even in all of the study and the preparation it still goes well beyond my comprehension you have a way of just blowing our minds and Jesus came from you and he ascended back to you, and he is coming again. And we are part of your family through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, and we have an opportunity to be individually relating to each other from this mindset, from this reality, from this heart and very nature that Jesus, that you have put into us because of Jesus. Let us live with it. Let us live with it in opening our arms to each and every one that you put in our pathway. Let us live with it in being willing to share even into the lowest task let us be willing to meet and share with each other eye to eye and heart to heart for Jesus' sake. Because that's the life we have. Amen.